The General Insurance presents Shower Ballads by Shaq. And I'm gonna keep on out everyone does sound better in the shower and it turns out the general is a quality insurance company that's been saving people money for nearly 60 years for a great low rate and nearly 60 years of quality coverage make the right call and go with the general the general auto insurance services inc insurance agency nashville tennessee some restrictions apply Good morning, my friends. How are you today? This is Jim the Keys Bartender, or should I call it, I titled the show, Old Keys Bartender, because eventually I hope to get there. Too old, at least, not as an old bartender. And some of you may say, well, Jim, you're already old. We're going to address that later. What's in a name? <coughs> a name's a title and it kind of, you know, if you're a shoemaker, you're a shoemaker, if you're a plumber, a plumber, heat, heating, air conditioning guy, and describes it, but it doesn't necessarily have to. And we'll get into that in depth. At least that's my thinking. I want to first start out. I had a friend come in who I met through work. He used to come in a bar, and the guy's uh, a bartender from New Orleans. He Well, he's actually from the Keys, but he worked in New Orleans a lot. And he moved back uh, about six months ago, and he's working in Miami at a nice uh, wine bar. But the guy, the guy is—I'd have to describe him. He has the credentials of a mixologist. People say, you know, you're splitting hairs: bartender, mixologist, uh, beer tender, soda jerk. Well, someone who's a mixologist will probably explain that they are adept in making cocktails, crafting cocktails, doing a lot of things from scratch, preparing their own bitters, really taking time manufacturing, I guess it is, or assembling the cocktail, whatever you want to call it, mixing it. And a bartender's guy that slings drinks. And then there's also levels of bartenders. Sometimes people look down at people that just work at places that are beer and wine. Or beer only. And, you know, people that work at a soda fountain. A barista. Well, they all have their skills. So, I wouldn't look down at any. If you're working at a at a Starbucks, you're called a barista. Barista because you, that's the term for it. I don't think it's any less or more than anybody else, whether a bartender or a mixologist. When I worked at a fine dining establishment south of where I live in Key Largo, in Isle Morada, it was called Bumby's, named after the nickname for Ernest Hemingway. And it was a beautiful place. You know, they had marble, Italian marble on the bar. It wasn't that acrylic stuff they try to pass off. They had a, a marble raw bar that was enormous. It was over 20 feet long. If, if you think about the amount of material that went in to build it, maybe it was 30 feet long, if I remember correctly. And it was a 
a beautiful place, really beautiful place. They had high-end wine, high-end drinks, all the you know, really Blanton's bourbon, all these different vodkas, bourbon, scotches, uh, high-end wines. And coming in there, you think, well, this guy must know, and I was working there, must know what he's doing. And I was there for a little while, and then they hired a young fella who considered himself a mixologist. And he used all fresh juices and made his own bitters and you know, did all these things. And I was a little, I don't know if I was intimidated or something put me off in that. He says, he's a mixologist, he's calling me a bartender and... You know, I was thinking in my head, well, I had the personality, I had the following, the people that know me, and things like that. When I should have just let the guy be who he was. He was a mixologist. He was pretty good. I learned some. He was a younger fellow. And he learned a lot of his stuff from bartending school. I guess it was a good bartending school because they went, really went into it. But... I mentioned to the guy, I wouldn't prepare too many different things that have expiration dates on it because we're not that kind of volume place where you're going to use it. So you'll be wasting a lot. So you got to really consider, you know, we've used all fresh juices, fresh uh, lime juice, orange juice, grapefruit juice. And there, there's a certain amount of return on your investment for that. So I understand that. But... I don't begrudge people being mixologists. Matter of fact, when I run into somebody that calls themselves a mixologist, I'll ask them for an opinion. But there's a lot of other things I know. And I just don't define myself as a bartender only. Not that there's anything wrong with defining yourself as one thing. I, don't, I think it's a, an error to put yourself into one category. Because life is long and it's varied, and people get bored. So it's good to have multiple talents and multiple interests. So at various times when I'm working, if the kind the place I work right now is kind of a family restaurant, but I can do craft cocktails. I do fresh squeezed juices and all that stuff. I don't do the own, I don't make my own bitters because there's infrequent opportunity for that. But if things start going the way they are with old fashions, they seem to be coming back, I think I might start thinking about thinking about it. Because it is an investment in time to do things like that. And I just want you to know, if you're a bartender, mixologist, or someone that pours beer, it's your personality that really shines the most. I mean, you got to be able to do your job adequately, don't get me wrong, but the way you interact with people is much more impactful, much more impactful once you get to the level where you're providing a similar product to everyone else, and they'll remember that. Uh, sometimes uh, there's guys my age that go like this. They only come to girls when girls are, or females are bartenders. They said, well, guys only come to you because you're a pretty girl. Well, so what? That serves a purpose too. 
Don't be jealous of someone else's skills, someone else's health, someone else's title, what they know or what they don't know. Because you know what you know, and you should be able to appreciate what you know. And that confidence and that pleasantness and how you interact with people and working with people, that is a value. Now, the one thing I try to stay away from this thing where people think you make it the way, you know, when they say you make it the way you want it, you, the way you drink it. And I, I don't go into depth and say I don't drink or anything like that. And I say, you know what's really important? If you tell me kind of like the things you like, the taste you want. If they're, if they're asking for specifically, I like a, a, a margarita, but I like it sour. Well, they may want more fresh squeezed lime juice in there. And less agave nectar. So it's not as sweet. Which is perfectly fine. There's no accounting for people's taste. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean that positively. And if you turn that around and saying, listen, how would you like it? If you have the time. Obviously, when it's real busy, someone's going to say, I have a margarita, salt, rocks. And then there's people when you're super busy, go, listen, I got to talk to you about this. I'm like, oh my God. I just got to think, okay, it's important. This is the way the person likes their drink and they, this is how they want you to make it. I understand. When I have time, I like to ask that. So it's a good thing to do. It is a good thing to do to be mindful of the people's desires. Now to move right along, I worked a double yesterday. And for those of you unacquainted with the restaurant business, a double doesn't mean 16 hours. Because in the regular world, a regular shift, eight hours of working, you know, without, I mean, some people are in work nine hours and get an hour lunch break or 15 minutes. You know, they take that away and you're there nine to five or, or eight, to, eight to five, eight to four, whatever it is. But in a restaurant business, sometimes when you're in, 10.30 to 10.30, which was yesterday, you could be running 10.30 to 10.30 with limited breaks. And you're, getting, you know, you're, you're walking over, how many times do you eat? But it's still, I, I can handle it, so I do it. So I'm at work, we open up, we get a couple regulars that come in, they're hanging out, and the beginning of the parade of emergency vehicles, ambulance, ambulance, fire engine, sheriff's department, blah, 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 all heading north. A couple then, six, six vehicles next, constantly streaming north. And we go, holy shit, what happened? And it's going on for hours. It's going on until the evening. So we're... It started for us around seeing it around 11 o'clock, 11.30 in the morning. And it was still going at 6, 7 o'clock at night. And you just imagine, you say you're looking on the Keys Sheriff's Department website. And you're thinking, what's going on? Is it an accident? Luckily, my uh, the people in my life, my uh, wife and daughter, they were south of there. So I saw the ambulances headed north. I, I wasn't getting that visceral response. Saying, oh, I better check to see if they're all right. Even though there's thousands of people. 
But you never know. It's not like a big city. In a big city, if there's an accident and stuff like that, you think, well, that's unlikely to be mine because there's so many hundreds of thousands of people. While down here, it's only a couple thousand people. So your odds are greatly increased. Well, as it turned out, it was something else. But while we're, you're speculating on what had to be, people started saying, well, there had to be a big accident on an overseas highway as you leave Key Largo. And someone said, well, traffic's still coming in. And I said, well, it could very well be up 905. It could be up in, Key, uh, in Ocean Reef, the gated community. So we're speculating all this. Before we find out, it's around five or six o'clock. And I started, I, I did a little post where I go, well, maybe it's the purge tonight. And some of the people at my bar, a little older, younger, younger listeners will get this. This synopsis is a, this movie, Purge. And there's been sequels to it. It's kind of somewhat successful. But it's in a dystopian world where there's very low crime most of the year. But on one day out of the year, people are allowed to do whatever they want. They're allowed to kill people. They're allowed to rob. They're allowed to torture. Uh, I don't know where, where it comes down or rape. And all that stuff and, and all this other things. But is people get out their aggressions on those days. Which, you know, if you're a serial murderer, maybe you do more, a couple murders a year. So that could be a hindrance to you if you're like, well, I like to do my killing every three months. No, I digress. So I mentioned a purge and it doesn't go over really well with some of the older ones. And the younger ones are laughing. One of my regulars, who always was kind of the not a non bullshitter one, she's she works in this um, hotel business. She's the manager of hotels, and she's sitting there having a drink, and she goes, "Well, they're probably just driving around to empty their gas tanks because they want to get rid of the old gas." And she said it real calm and saying she she said it there. They're trying to get rid of all the old gas in her vehicle so they can replenish it again with new gas. I just looked at her. She said it with straight face. And I said, she spoke with the authority. Like, I know this. This happens all the time. And I looked at her and I go, and uh, I'm a bullshitter. So they say never shit a bullshitter, but I am easily. I looked at her and I go, is that a thing? Is that really a thing? And she goes, no, it isn't. I just made it up. And I go, you never make stuff up. She goes, well, I've been sitting at your bar for long enough, for a couple of years, that I'm starting to get the hang of it. And I said, kudos. You get a gold star. That was so, I was so impressed by that. Well, what, what actually happened to get beyond this point was we found out later that a sailboat where the authorities caught up to uh, 61 Haitian migrants or refugees, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but try not to be mean-spirited about what you're calling them. Th these people that left Haiti, left, they crowded a sailboat, sailed hundreds of miles across hostile seas. When It's hostile when you're, having, when you're on, overloaded on a boat. 
and you only have a certain amount of supplies and stuff like that. So they landed, and they're they're suspecting there could have been more people on it. So these emergency vehicles and stuff could have been at you know taking care of the refugees, uh, taking them into uh, what wherever um, they need to, like. Uh, uh, facilities where they could be cared for and then I imagine be repatriated back home which is a shame because they put themselves at risk and uh, this is just my opinion when you know people people struggling to get here and some people have a visceral response they don't like they don't like the idea of people that are so different from them speaking a different language they uh, speak kind of a, a French Cajun Patois. But the Haitians, let me explain to you. The Haitians that I've known are very strong believers in the American work ethic. They're very hard workers. And they're leaving for a better life. And that's just my opinion. I think a lot of times we come here, we're so short on workers. Remember in the previous episodes, we're talking about some of these restaurants are employing uh, start to are starting to employ robots for servers and things like that. So it's not like we don't we have a plethora of help down here, and these people don't end up living in the Keys anyway. They come in through the Keys, but a lot of times they end up living in their migrant communities in Miami and up on the mainland where there's a bigger support system. But don't get too worked up on it. But America was founded on boatloads of people coming over here. Yep. Back in the, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving and there were boatloads of people. And I'm sure there was at one time, there was a boatload of uh, English. Who knows? But we do know that our ancestors were immigrants. Unless you're a Native American, and they even their ancestors were kind of immigrants. If they, you consider that they came across the land bridge between Alaska and uh, far eastern Russia, Siberia. Here, maybe twenty one, twenty four thousand years ago, when there was nobody here. You know, there one point in. Well, they may find it. They may find a, a fossilized remains sometimes. Say, you know, humans developed. No, they're gonna they're gonna find out that there, there was for thousands of years there was no humans in the Western Hemisphere up until like twenty four, twenty five thousand years ago, and all the game and the wild animals contended with each other. They didn't have to contend with these talking monkeys that were getting better and better each year. You know, first, you know, using sharp sticks. I can imagine you're being a, a mastodon. You go, well, you know, my grandfather said that these guys would just throw rocks at us. And they kind of laughed at him. But then they started using sticks. And that kind of hurt. And then they started using sharpened sticks. And that hurt. And then they always get to a height. And then they put sharp rocks on the ends of their sticks. And that... That was the thing they got really. They got really good at doing that, tracking us down. And then you see, put they could put like ten or twenty in these things in us. They take us down, and that's how you know 
your uncle got taken down by a bunch of these talking monkeys. Right? And then they got better and better. You know, they were probably like lions and bears and all that stuff. And people thought, well, we're not going to go after a bear. That's crazy. Then eventually he said, well, we can probably, we use the right, we, got, we can make a creative tool. We could take that, that bear. So that's kind of the reasons why they say that they, the last vestiges of uh, a lot of things in the Western Hemisphere, especially the food, um, food animals disappeared through hunting, right? And, hence the buffalo. They managed the buffalo better the Native Americans did than the U.S. Uh, the U- U.S. Uh, citizens when we went across on the uh, when they started opening up the West with the railroad and I digress again but they started a wholesale slaughter of the water bu- of, of the of the buffalo in order to starve out the Plains tribes so to get them to accept the treaties and go on to the reservation because they didn't have any food source anymore. I don't know why I went there. So I got that from the migrants. So the Haitian migrants, they landed here and it caused a big, big, big ado. And there would be stories about it. There's always a group of people, they find a boat the next day, they find a, a big styrofoam crafted raft that came from Cuba or a truck that's mounted, a truck cab's mounted on a floating piece of debris. And you go, wow, how did people make it here? You see tied up tubes, everything. Remember, parts of Cuba are 90 miles away from Key West. So they're thinking, well, I can make that. Now, unless you have a propulsion system, you know, 90 miles is considerate, is a considerable amount of distance on the water. If you go out a couple miles out on the water, you'd be surprised at how alone you are. Go out 10 miles, there's a possibility, if you're not careful and you have an emergency, you go out 10 miles, you could die out there. You don't have, um, let's say, flares and operating radio and things like that. So this is what these migrants go through. This is a tough, tough life. There's a movie out there Robert Redford movie called All is Lost. It's about, and there's not very little dialogue. It's about 10 years old, I think, maybe eight years old movie. And it's, he's a solo uh, sailor and he's going across the Pacific and he runs into trouble. And then you can see all the things that happen when you don't have a radio or contact or flares or, you know, the more, the further out you're in the open ocean, less likely you're going to see, unless you're in shipping lanes. And that's a arbitrary line, but the shipping lanes are ones that are frequently trafficked across the ocean. And a couple, you know, 10 miles away from the shipping lanes, there's not necessarily a reason for a ship to be in that area. So there could be no one there. And if you're miles and miles away, a flare really doesn't do much. You can see it on the horizon maybe, but you don't even know what it is. You may think it's a falling star. So 
you know, call these people what you want. Call them horrible names and stuff like that, but don't call them cowards. Because what they're doing is very determined. So, and I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to piss you off doing it. I wanted to get back to the old Keys bartender concept about how people get labeled and they sit there and they allow themselves to be labeled. I once made a comment online. It was a sore subject. I don't know it was, uh, it could have been political or something like that, but I used whatever I thought my particular expertise was to comment on it. And some lady came back and says, who are you to make a comment? You're just a bartender. And I could have been offended by it. I may have been at the time. Who knows? But I thought that person, what it told, it didn't tell me anything about myself. I knew I bartended. I didn't consider myself a bartender. I don't consider myself a spin instructor. I don't consider myself a podcaster. I consider myself a human being with lots of possibilities. Really. I mean, there's some things I can be and some things I can't. I'm never going to be a, a, ballet, a ballet star or a jockey. But there's nothing. I mean, there's people that have, you know, William Shatner up until a couple of years ago. You never would have thought like 80-year-old William Shatner would consider himself. He played a guy, Captain Kirk, who worked in space. But no one could have told you that. Well, you know, one day they're going to offer William Shatner an opportunity to go into space. You say he's crazy. He's too old, too fat, too crazy. Well, it happened. I don't know if he went in space now or not. And, uh, I think it's perfect for some, some people at a certain age because, you know, you're wearing adult diapers and anything, things like that. You're already wearing adult diapers, so right, it's not an inconvenience, right? You know, you got maybe have a catheter in, so, you, you know, you, you pee in a bag and all that. It's, it's not unheard of. And I'm not making fun of older people because I've been accused of being older, too, and it's all in your, in your perspective. But being able to label someone, labeling when when uh, someone mentions uh, young women, women under uh, thirty, get slut shamed a lot. You know, people because she's a whore, she's a slut. Now, just because that person has, you know, has attracted several mates and may have been active. What gives you the right to say something like that? And is that a horrible thing to say about someone? Only if they accept it. You don't want us to be walking around thinking those things as negative connotations. You know, I'm not just talking about slut shaming, calling someone fat, calling them old, calling them stupid, calling them an idiot, calling them crazy. No. I don't know how many times when I've suggested ideas that were outside the norm that someone would come up and say, that's a crazy idea. Now, some people may say, hey, that's a crazy idea, and say it with a smile, meaning, hey, I never considered that. Or other people do it for a derogatory comment. That's a crazy idea. You have to be insane to think that. 
And there are ideas that are hurtful, harmful, and dangerous. Right? There are. There are. And they may, rightly so, someone may just call them out and say, you know, that's a crazy idea. But there's, my, I wager a guess that a lot of ideas are called crazy when they're just original. And they may not be harmful. I mean, there could be some secondary things that could become harmful. But if it's not directly harmful, calling something crazy, if it's not hurting anybody, is a little rash description. And, And when you get these labels and things like that, you can get sucked into thinking that. If you were called a loser, an introvert, a nerd a geek, anything. You could start feeling like that. No one loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll eat some worms. It was a song. No one likes me. Everyone hates me. No. No, I can guarantee you that's not the world. There is, there is someone for everyone. And if that isn't the case now, think of all the crazy cult, uh, crazy things out there. And sometimes it works. Uh, people have a lot of confidence in themselves for things they really aren't adept at and they're overly confident on. If I, you know, I wouldn't want someone operating on me who wasn't adept as a surgeon and well-trained, not just because they think of themselves as a surgeon. I What I'm not, not suggesting is to think yourself something you are not. But don't think you're not something because of a label. Because there's always room to improve. Everybody can change. A year ago, I was waiting, I was scrambling to get an operation. And I had a, I was under stress from my, I was manufactured stress because yes, there were circumstances going along. Uh, around me with uh, the operation that I was trying to get that I couldn't control. But I didn't have to absorb the stress and not go. And I was I was working out, but I wasn't working out as serious as I am now. But I was kind of letting myself go. I was stressed out. My, my mental health wasn't in, in the best place, but I at least I knew it wasn't going to be there. The old Buddhist saying, this too shall pass. Whether good or bad, whether there's a positive thing that happens in your life and you're feeling elated, or something depressing, like a couple days ago with my beloved pet, Roxy. I still get a little choked up when I talk about her. I always expect her to see her. Every time I come through the door, I think about her. But this too shall pass. That feeling will pass. And it does because we, we change. We change every day. There's no, there's no person on earth who's living and breathing that does not change. There's physical, perceptible changes in them. You're changing or aging. Sometimes we're aging gracefully. Sometimes we're aging quickly. Uh, some of it has to do with our attitude. Some of it has to do with our lifestyle. 
right? I'm not saying it's enough just to feel good about yourself, but be aware that you can change. And after I had the operation and stuff like that, as soon as I healed and came back in mid-January, I started going back to the gym and start doing my, my thing. I was, uh, I endeavored to change or, or go back, let's say, to what physically I want to do. I realized I, I, I didn't want to just give over to the, the signs of aging that I had that when I wouldn't go and tie my shoes two years ago I had a difficulty reaching down to touch my shoes I wasn't tremendously overweight but I had that the middle the midsection fat that when I leaned over it kind of bunched together and prevented me from getting all the way down to tie my shoes I made it an effort it was really difficult now I can kneel down and pick, tie my shoes and do all those things. I wanted to be able to work. Uh, if, I, if I had, I don't know if I, I would have had the animus or the incentive to work as hard at maintaining myself and strengthening my body if I didn't have such a physical job. Now, it's not as a physical job as, let's say, a packer at Amazon or a longshoreman. Or a carpenter. But I'm on my feet. There's heavy things I have to move every so often kegs. Uh, and just just the durability that you have to have. A lot of twisting, turning, uh, quick movements. And situational awareness. And part of it is not being tired at the end of the day. And that's being physically strong. And I wanted to be able to carry my weight with a, a lithe lightness to be able to you know be be able to move and increase my endurance and concentrate on my cardio and my my strength training and part of it was this image I said I want my body to look as good as it can be because I want to be and I want to do it for myself I want to do it for myself I want to be as, as good to myself as I can be and then I can address those other things in my life, like when I decide I want to do a podcast. That other day when I didn't want to do a podcast, I'm thinking, I'm depressed. I lost my dog. I had to be there for it. It's the first time I ever had to do it. And I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. I did it. And I felt so much better for doing it. This has become a habit, a good habit for me. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity I get to do it. And... All those things that I could call myself, sometimes it's negative. I realized to walk away from that. Past, like if I'm mean, if I'm, uh, if I'm depressed, if I'm not outgoing, I couldn't be. It was hard to be outgoing on Sunday before and after. I had to do what I had to do for my dog, but. Every other day, if I'm low energy or something like that, I realize, say, I'm going to be the hero of my life and the hero of my life, my ideal hero, would be positive when they're talking to people, would not be snide. 
I mean, I, sometimes I try to entertain myself because I'm listening to someone call up and I'm trying to be witty and smart and all that stuff. And I go, wait a second. I may be witty and smart and uh, comedic. I don't have to be that way all the time. It doesn't make me any less or any more by doing this to the poor person on the phone. But sometimes I do, I do it because I think maybe the person on could, sometimes you run into people that aren't aware of how they're behaving. And you can try to resist what they're spewing or, you know, you can come back with your own. And that's sometimes I do it and it makes me happy and it doesn't really change how that person's going to be that day because they made a decision. I mean, if they're open to it, I would go and say, hey, listen, you know, I hope you're having a good day. I noticed people yesterday like that. They were on the phone and they were having a decent time and they were, um, it was a woman and she was joined by her husband and stuff like that. And eventually she got she was on the phone. I noticed she was crying. And the other guy's eyes are red too. And I'm thinking, whoa, they got some bad news. Something happened. I can't make everyone happy all the time. I just went and I said, listen, it looks like you just got bad news. And they go, no, we didn't. And I'm like, oh, you, you, you can't hide that. Like that's Lion Eyes from Eagles, the band from the, the 70s and 80s. Uh, there was a song called Lion Eyes. You can't hide those Lion Eyes. Was one of and... They weren't trying to lie. They were just putting a positive. No, we're we're not even getting any bad news. Well, they got some kind of news that caused them to, and it wasn't the happy kind of crying. But that's the spirit. Sometimes, sometimes when you're feeling bad, you got to feel bad and stuff like that. And when you're feeling good, you got to feel good. But it's not always going to be that. And this too shall pass. The good and the bad. Just lead you to think, no matter how depressed you get sometimes, there's horrible depression could be anywhere, if you hold a sliding scale from 1 to 10, and 1, it could be just a slight where you think you're being mishandled or misused by an employer or a friend to 10, where you're ha- you've had constant abuse from someone. It could be sexual, it could be physically, uh, you could be tortured or something like that. Impending death. That will pass. It'll resolve itself one way or the other. I know it's not, it's not the good news you want to hear all the time, but it does pass. Every situation does. But in between those times when things do pass, we have the option of how we respond to those things, how, what we think about it, how we work against it. And you could live in... You could live in a world that you you accept. You accept that you live someplace that could be squalid. And it's going to always be that way. You don't have to. Things change. You could get, it could get better. You could strive to get better. You could strive. You, don't, you aren't the person you think you are right now. You are not that person. You're so much more. You're so much more than that person that you think you are. Unless you have a really good feeling about that, you, who you are, then that's good. And you don't all, you're not always going to be perfect and you're not always going to be, you're not always going to be heavier than you are. You're not, not always going to be, sometimes you're not always going to be as healthy. I'm not always going to be as healthy as I am right now. I could be healthier. I could end up being healthier. Or I could, it could be a little... 
you know, deter- I could deteriorate. Who knows? And to that point, but worrying about that and and letting people decide who they want me to be is not not the way to go. Because I can I can definitely determine my own course if I just apply a little effort, a little effort. Because just accepting who who you are and what people define you as that's not you could be a you could be a drug addict right now, an alcoholic. I've I call myself an alcoholic, but I don't think of it as a negative thing. I think of it as a positive thing because it gives me an opportunity to be aware. Of th- it it showed me that I'm able to stop being that an active alcoholic. And uh, I was able, and and life improved. Life improved for me. I like to end the show on that note. I do appreciate you for listening. I'd like to thank all the listeners that have been downloading episodes of the show. It is definitely, it's going like gangbusters. I appreciate it. Please keep on doing that download thing. If you're a new person and you haven't done it, a new listener, we're getting listeners from, you know, in some of the states where they have big downloads. What happens is they show up in the feeds and say, well, if you like that show, you'll like this show. The Keith Bartender. And say, well, who is that jerk off? <laughs> I didn't call myself a jerk off, but I know some people have called me jerk off. And that's fine. I know you're probably not going to download a lot of the episodes if you think oh, the first thing that comes to mind, that guy's a jerk off. Well, I do appreciate everything the listeners have done, you have done, and I will keep it up. I will keep doing the show. I will try my best to endeavor to, to improve on the qualities and, uh, if you have any questions or anything you'd like to say, please send me an email to jim at keysbartender.com. Uh, what else do I have to say? Oh, I'll be coming back next week. I think on Monday I'm not going to be doing a show because I got a double on Monday. Yeah, I do, no, I don't have a double. I have a single on Monday, so I will be doing a show. Jeez, I'm thinking because I'm doing, I'm working Monday night. I normally don't work Monday nights. I'm off on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm all fine. So I will do a show on Monday. I may, I'll probably do a show tomorrow. What I'm saying is, this is episode 529. So we do an episode 530. Everybody's working for the weekend, right? Well, I work for the weekend. Meaning, it's a weekend, I'm working. In the song, everybody's working for the weekend. People are working just to arrive at the weekend. What a miserable life that may be. I don't work for my days off. I work for my... I work for the sake of working, need to make some money, and uh, maybe I'll delve out what, what makes us work. Why do we work and what do we want to do? Because, you know, they call it the, these times right now are the great resignation. So uh, the great resignation of people are resigning, quitting their jobs. Um, I'd like to thank you for listening. This is Jim the Keys Bartender signing off. I'll talk to you later.